Robeson County Casinos raided and Tuscarora Indian Tribe members arrested. Four people arrested after marijuana, cocaine, heroin, guns, and a lot of cash seized. It's been 25 years since James Jordan was killed along the shoulder of a road in Robeson County. These stories and more on episode 25 of Crime Time for Monday, July 23rd on FayObserver.com. Featuring Fayetteville Observer police and crime reporter Nancy McClary. I'm Sonny Jones. On the podcast, we'll look at issues involving crime, courts, and public safety, highlighting stories in the news. And a reminder, anyone we discussed who has been charged with a crime is presumed innocent until found guilty in a court of law. Let's get started. More than 25 people were rounded up Monday, July 23rd, after a year-long investigation into illegal gaming, drugs, and weapons activities at three locations in Robeson County. Those arrested are members of the Tuscarora Indian tribe and claim to be sovereign citizens, according to Derwin Brayboy of the North Carolina Alcohol Law Enforcement Agency. Among those rounded up are Kendall Locklear, identified as the leader of the Tuscarora Nation. Nancy McCleary has been working on this story. She's here now, of course, and big news out of Robeson County. Nancy, tell us about it. Derwin Brayboy said that Locklear, who was the leader of what they called the Tuscarora Nation Sovereign Territory, um, headed up this organization and that they were operating three illegal, full-fledged casinos in, out of warehouses in Maxton, Pembroke, and Red Springs. And he said that more than 200 illegal gambling machines were seized from the casinos. Um, Brayboy also said the casinos operated 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and took in, quote, thousands of dollars. How exactly did investigators find out about the uh, operations? Uh, Any tips? Well, apparently people who lived near the casinos complained to law enforcement. And, you know, law enforcement is saying uh, the people involved and the people they have arrested on Monday, uh, they're pretty tough folks, eh? Um, They are indeed. Um... Terrence Merriweather, who heads the state ALE, which is the Alcohol Law Enforcement, summed it up by saying, quote, This group opening expressed beliefs that neither the laws of North Carolina nor the United States applied to them, putting law-abiding citizens in danger. Robeson County Sheriff Kenneth Seeley added that most of the, quote, most of the offenders were considered to be armed and dangerous, and many have criminal records. ALE also added in a news release that the group had made threats of war against law enforcement. So, yes, to answer your question, law enforcement did think those arrested in the operation were some tough and bad guys. If I might add one thing, Um, I was just going to say that um, at each of these casinos, they had um, what they called uh, security people and they eat they carried weapons and they were not certified anything but they were they acted as security guards and they were armed with weapons and they had blue lights that they uh, put in their own vehicles that Mm -hmm. they were using and according to um derwin brayboy the security guards at the maxton location carried assault rifles oh wow and, you know, Agent Brayboy said those arrested claim to be sovereign citizens. Mm-hmm. Some of us have heard that term. What, what exactly sovereign citizens? What is that? 
Well, basically, the FBI defines the sovereign citizens movement as anti-government extremists who believe that even though they physically reside in this country, they are separate or sovereign from the United States. As a result, they believe they don't have to answer to any government authority, including courts, taxing entities, motor vehicle departments, or law enforcement. And if I might ask one more time yeah, again. They are finding out different today. Well, um, I forgot to mention that one of those who was rounded up is um, Timothy Jacobs, who was involved in the takeover of the Robesonian newspaper back in 1988. Uh, yes, I remember that uh, that takeover well. I saw the list of names, mm-hmm. and I, I just thought, well, that can't be the same one. No, but, it uh, is the same one. After much checking, um, it is, in fact, the same one. Okay, Eddie Hatcher also was involved Correct. in that takeover yes, of the Robesonian indeed. as well. And right. both of us know some people who were at the Robesonian at that time, and some still are. Our next story, Fayetteville police arrested four people, seized more than 100 pounds of marijuana, large quantities of cocaine and heroin, guns, and $70,000 last week in conjunction with a months-long investigation into gang and drug activity. Charged in the case are Alvin Davis III, Rashad J. Everett, and his wife, Victoria L. Everett, all of Fayetteville, and Latasha Michelle Sinkler. Mr. Davis is an employee of the Food Line Distribution Center in Dunn, or perhaps I should say was an employee of the Food Line <laughs> Distribution Center in Dunn. Uh, Rashad Everett works for the U.S. Postal Service, and he and his wife, Victoria, co-own a child care center in their home on Ronald Reagan Drive off Andrews Road. Sinkler lived at the Everett's home and worked as a nanny at the child care center. A child care center is where this was. What what was found there? Well, no children because they went into the uh, residence when there were no children at the facility. Well, that's good to hear. Um, but what they did find is um, somewhat disturbing given that there were children yeah. on the premises. And that would be that they found 100 pounds of marijuana, 15 ounces of cocaine, a half ounce of heroin, marijuana gummy candies Mm. and cookies and six weapons police also seized a 2013 audi q7 sport utility vehicle well hopefully uh, none of the children were given the marijuana gummies or cookies not that we know of but the search uh that resulted in the arrest of alvin davis um they went to an apartment that's in the Addison Ridge complex off Santa Fe Drive. Um, and Fayetteville Police Sergeant Sean Strepe said no one lived at the residence. It was used for storage of drugs and guns and cash, I suppose. Um, because inside they found more than nine ounces of marijuana, more than 15 ounces of cocaine. An ounce of marijuana wax, which I believe might be used for the gummies or something, and two handguns, a Smith & Wesson three eighty and a Scorpion 9mm. Sinkler was accused of renting a, a unit at a storage facility on MacArthur Road where investigators found more than 50 pounds but less than 2,000 pounds of marijuana, arrest warrants said. Well, were Davis, the Everts, and Sinkler working together? Were these separate investigations as part of the crackdown? Uh, yes, they were, according to Sergeant Strepe. 
Okay. In an unrelated case, Emmanuel Luttrell Jones, Marquest Fredell Henderson, and Ladarian Jaquel Fuel have been charged with multiple drug charges after a search of a home in the Eureka Springs neighborhood on Wednesday, July 18th. Tell us about this one. Well, this search was done at a residence on Bella Vista Circle, according to arrest documents. Moments after arriving, officers apprehended Mr. Henderson after seeing him try to slip out another door and run. Fuel was sitting inside a parked vehicle, and Jones was standing near the vehicle. Lawman found a mason jar full of marijuana in the vehicle. About a half pound of marijuana was found inside the residence, along with controlled substances and cocaine. Multiple handguns and a rifle were located in the residence as well. I know that the cases were unrelated, but we mentioned there's kind of a, a crackdown going on, if you will, or is this all part of the uh, the crackdown, all these cases? I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of these cases go moved into the federal court system. And we know what happens there more, oh, yes. more often than not. Well, our next story, there were some scary moments in the early morning hours of Sunday, July 27th. That's when Fayetteville police say 19-year-old Alyssa Hammonds and her three-month-old daughter, Serenity McLean, were abducted. Police said that Delano Raquan McLean is believed to have forced his way into the residence on Camelot Drive about 2.30 a.m. and forced the mother and child into a 2004 silver Nissan Maxima. McLean then left. A family member reported the abduction to police. Fortunately, there is a happy ending to this story. That's right. Hammonds and her baby were found safe later in the day, and police say both are in good condition. McLean was questioned and later taken into custody. Police did not say where the three were found, nor if McLean is the father of the infant. Family members did say that McLean and Hammonds knew each other. Always good to have a happy ending on of crime course. time. We don't, we yeah, seldom really. have that. Well, you know, Nancy, has, has it really been 25 years since James Jordan was shot dead while napping in his car along the shoulder of U.S. 74 in Robeson County? The father of basketball legend Michael Jordan was killed just outside of Lumberton in the early hours of July 23, 1993. His body was found 11 days later in a creek in South Carolina. Daniel Andre Green was convicted of first-degree murder in 1996 for killing James Jordan and was then sentenced to life in prison. Larry Martin Demery faced the same charges as Green, but testified against his best friend as the state's star witness. Green's case is back in the news. Michael Futch took an in-depth look at the story in the Sunday, July 22nd edition of the Fayetteville Observer and also on FayObserver.com. Green is seeking a new trial. Chris Muma, who is the executive director of the North Carolina Center on Actual Innocence, is one of Green's lawyers now. She spoke with our Michael Futch about the case. He did not get a fair trial because of the blood evidence. He did not get a fair trial because of this magically appearing bullet hole in the shirt. He did not get a fair trial because the, def- the defense that he wanted to present and his attorneys uh, previewed to the jury in opening arguments would, would present. Uh, he was denied the opportunity to present that because the state withheld evidence. Robinson County District Attorney Johnson Britt prosecuted the case that drew national attention. Britt told Futch there's no doubt in his mind that Green killed James Jordan. I've never had any doubts about that, and and I say that um, based on 
the evidence that was gathered um, that showed that Daniel Green was the individual who was in possession literally of all the items that were stolen from Mr. Jordan or taken from Mr. Jordan, that being an NBA championship ring, an NBA championship watch, an NBA all-star ring. Um, he was the one who was in control of the car for the vast majority of the time that they had it. Um, and he was the one who uh, tried to negotiate the sale of that car um, in Fayetteville, where it was ultimately found. And then the alleged murder weapon was actually found in his mother's house. You can hear Michael Futch's interviews with Chris Muma and Johnson Britt on FayObserver.com, along with a map, a timeline of events. It really is a great read, whether in print or on the web. And, and if, if you were around at that time, that's a hard story to forget right. because of all the national attention it brought. Well, let's move on. Let's, let's begin this next segment, Nancy, if we may, by saying that both of us believe that taking something that doesn't belong to you is wrong. Are you, you in on I'm, that? I'm, I'm in agreement. Okay. However, with that being said, if you do choose to take something that doesn't belong to you, then don't drop it or drop some of it. Especially if it's money. That's right. Um, and apparently that advice didn't work for a man who is accused of robbing a Dollar General store on Bonanza Drive on Tuesday, July 17th. Fayetteville police say the man dropped some of the money on his way out the door. A store employee who was stocking shelves near the front of the store um, saw the man carrying a box cutter come into the store, according to uh, Officer Asia Cannon, a Fayetteville police spokeswoman. The employee ran to the back of the store and was chased part of the way by the suspect, who gave up and went back to the front. He then um, smashed the drawer of the cash register against the floor and took the money. So he he dropped some of the money on the way out of the store. I guess he manages to pocket some of it. I'm guessing uh, he got into a car and drove away since police are still searching for him, at least as we do this show. Uh, What kind of car was he driving? Are you ready for this? <laughs> Probably not. A Ford Escape. <laughs> <laughs> There's an ad in there somewhere. Well, how appropriate. Exactly. <laughs> an escape. <laughs> there you go. That's a good one. All right. From the crime blotter, Fayetteville police have arrested Akeem Devante McKeever of Gillis Street and charged him with murder and robbery with a firearm and the death of Nakisha Washington. Washington was shot and killed on Slater Avenue on Monday, July 16th. Police say McKeever made contact with Washington, produced a handgun, and shot her. An argument between an Altryville man and his ex-wife ended with him setting her on fire, uh, the Sampson County Sheriff's Office said. Waylon Harold Strickland has been charged with assault with a deadly weapon with intent to kill, inflicting serious injury. The woman, who was not identified, was there to allow supervised visitation of their daughter. And in yet another case of um, extreme, what I would say extreme domestic violence, Richard Eugene Pittman of Hope Mills has been charged with attempted first-degree murder, and he is accused of trying to kill his wife by putting ant poison in her food, according to an arrest warrant in the Cumberland County Magistrate's Office. 
Relatives of a Harney County man fatally shot by a deputy in 2015 can proceed with a wrongful death lawsuit after a judge found sufficient evidence that his constitutional rights were violated. U.S. District Judge Terrence Boyle wrote that former Deputy Nicholas Cahagas appears to have violated John David Livingston's rights by entering his home without a warrant and using excessive force during a scuffle that ended with the fatal shooting. The defendants had requested the lawsuit be thrown out, but the judge ruled otherwise. Well, that's it for Episode 25 of Crime Time for Monday, July 23rd. We welcome your comments and suggestions for Crime Time. And you can reach me, Nancy McCleary, by email at nmcclary, that's McCleary with two C's, at at fayobserver.com or on Twitter at F-O underscore McClary. And you can reach me, Sonny Jones, by email at sjones at fayobserver.com or on Twitter at F-O Sonny Jones. Nancy, thank you for your time. Again, thanks to those of you listening out there. Hope you'll tune in next time for the next edition of Crime Time.